P.S. I Love Hoffman is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Iggy Pop! Amen! Let it rain! I'm a fucking idiot. Red meat, we crave sustenance. I'm an artist. Hello, my name is Jimmy Cody. It's fun to have some fun. Fun, fun. Tommy, that's uh, a cake thing. Whoever she is, I'm going to find her and I'm going to hurt her. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish. <laughs> I'm always home. I'm on cool. This is a process of dehumanization. Shut, 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 shut up. Hey, Hoff fans. Welcome to P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, our love letter to the remarkable career of the late great Bill Seymour Hoffman. I'm still Brian Rodriguez. And I'm still Kyle Reinfried. <laughs> I like that. I like nice that. Foley work. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. You put the sound effect in. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> we're always home, we're always uncool, we're always ready to talk all things Philip Seymour Hoffman, we're always ready to rewatch these Philip Seymour Hoffman films, we're always ready to get down and, and party with you guys, and we got a Hoffman-centric film today, a film that, you know, dare I say, might be the most screen time he has in any movie. Yeah. I think we've said that and, before. And it could easily be in his, like, top five best films. It's a film that I think... uh you know, didn't get a lot of respect. Not that, not in a Dangerfield way, you know, but I'm saying, like, it wasn't like... Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, you're... Yeah, you're, my, my pulling, <laughs> pulling on my uh, t-shirt and hoodie yes, effect you're, you're really was appreciated yeah. <laughs> by the podcast audience. But I think I, I needed to do it to get the... Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. We got another Yes, I just opened opening. a beer as well. And excuse me, I'm yeah. a little bit sick, guys, but... That's why I should be drinking beer, right? This episode is brought to you by Faith American Ale. It's actually this. This is appropriate. This is a like upstate uh, New York beer, and this is yeah. Synecdoche. Synecdoche. I was going to say we, we didn't even say the name of the movie. Oh yeah, well, and, and that's your job today, Kyle. Synecdoche, New York. Yes, Synecdoche, New York. I got the Blu-ray case right here. That's what we're watching on today. Nice, nice. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. Um, so. Like you said, you're on Blu-ray, but you guys can, I don't know, rent it or watch it somewhere. So where are you, Kyle? Like, you have a timestamp, or? Uh, I am, like, it's a Sony's, Sony's Picture Classic, so it is... Uh, okay. Very early on, so we'll count you down. And just a reminder, these are rewatches, guys. If you want to listen to our, like, analysis episode, uh, just check our archives at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Or, of course... Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you uh, leave us a nice, positive review? Not even for us, for the Hoffman. Yeah, you know? just, yeah. Yeah, talk about the movie. Even, like, review. Absolutely. Know. Yeah, we like them. We love them. So, yeah, so I am paused on, it's the it's the Sony Pictures Classics, just the blue screen. So I think maybe we're, like, a second or two in right now. So we'll do a little countdown. And then five, four, three, two... One play. So hopefully you're synced up with us and you'll be watching this commentary. I thought like it didn't work because like, it <laughs> yeah, it was just stuck. like um yeah. The Sony like p- classic pictures, whatever, is the most boring. <laughs> I appreciate it. it's no nonsense. No, it's like these are classic pictures. <laughs> As you mentioned, we're drinking Kelsey Grammer's beer. My... I didn't say Kelsey Grammer. But... Oh, sorry, Faith American Ale, which is Kelsey Grammer's beer. Yeah. You're even drinking one that was autographed by him, but then smudged, so I had him sign another can. 
Ooh, I love it. Oh. Alarm clocks are so scary, aren't they? They are. I need to get a new one. You actually have a physical alarm clock? Yeah. I just use my phone. No, I like having it like across the room. Like, oh, you know, that I have to get out of bed. It's like a strategy I learned about before uh, going to college, and I, and I keep doing it. Diane oh, Weiss, we're big. I, yeah, we're big Diane Weiss yeah. fans. I forgot how many stars in this film. We saw, you know, the very much acclaimed right now Michelle Williams is in this film. Yeah. Not that she wasn't then, but like, I don't know. This was like definitely around the time, like a big, uh, I feel like a, one of the bigger breakout roles for her around then was um, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. And then she had, like, like, Blue Valentine in this movie. Exactly, because, like, it was just like, oh, this isn't just the lady from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, exactly. She was always my favorite character growing up. Doesn't she... She dies on Dawson's Creek. Yeah, of, like, some kind of illness, I think. Okay, so, like, I didn't, like, religiously watch Dawson's Creek. Oh, well, there, right there, there, here we go. Catherine Keener. And we saw them in Capote, right? Yeah, in Capote's. Capote. Always great chemistry. Hoffman looks good here. He still looks, you know. Yeah, how many brunettes does he play? You know, it's like this and like G- Gus, uh, right? From uh. Oh, you know, I never I, that didn't even click with me. I don't know. We don't have a, like a hair color tally. No, he's just always, you know, he's very. I know we did it in the uh, awards. We did like best mustache and stuff like that. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Brent like from Big Lebowski is so like toe heady. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it up just a little bit. I don't think it was. I forgot how dark his hair is. Just wiping Olive's ass. So we said it in the. I think like the. I mean, the mid month. I know was along came Polly, but when we announced (coughs) this, um, uh, we said how you know this is a Charlie Kaufman written and his directorial debut. And I still kind of believe that it maybe should have been directed by Spike Jones. And our original guest, Whit Leyenberger, disagreed. Yeah. Like, yeah. He thought this was like Charlie Kaufman's masterpiece here. Not that we didn't agree. Like, Honestly, I really gained a new appreciation for this film the last time we watched it. Definitely. Um, yeah, no, it's... it's I mean, I, yeah, I love this movie. It's just it's just something that I, I recognize. I mean, they'd collaborated so many times at that point, and I think I'm pretty sure Spike Jones was supposed to direct this, but then it yeah, was that's the story taking right? too long with uh, we, uh, where the wild things. Are. Yes, we yeah. talked about that yes, last time yeah. because we brought up um, a story that we're not going to talk about today. In a little tease for the last episode. <laughs> But this beginning is just this or opening, I should say, is just. I mean, it, it definitely it plays like a play, right? Yeah. And just there's very. I mean, it it is a it is still a film though because we are getting a lot of like little little bits of knowledge just even from him sniffing the milk and seeing the date. Like obviously on stage you get sniffed the milk, but just specifically, the movie began by saying what time of year it was, and yeah. then it shows on that that it's October, not November. But just the whole seeing kind of them as like 
kind of dysfunctional parents or or dysfunctional family, and this little girl is just you know that, at that age of curiosity and life and death and all of that stuff that this film becomes pretty ridiculous about. <laughs> Again, if you don't know Kaufman, well, I'll ask you that. Like, you think if you just like weren't familiar with the films of Charlie Kaufman, would you have an appreciation for this one? If in terms I had, of his writing, you know, like, it, if you showed this to the layman, if you will, like, you know, not the film snob. I think people would be... If you go in knowing that this is Charlie Kaufman, you have a Oof. bit more, uh, like, okay, like, let me see where this goes. You know? Yeah, patience. Yeah. Is that... That's not the neighbor that Laura Linney, the above... Oh my god, I think it is. Is actually. it? Yeah. We'll have to look it up, but it, he looks just like him from, uh... Why are we the here? Savages. The Savages. Yeah. Which we covered on the Still Hoffman run. I always feel like this movie's longer than it is. Like, you know, it has a, um, not in a bad way, but it has a run of like two hours, but it goes through so many years. Years and versions of things. Yeah. And it's very, you know, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad movie. And he's just such a sad sack of a character that I don't necessarily enjoy the character. No, I don't think you're supposed to, you know? No, yeah. Um, what's your favorite Charlie Kaufman written film? Um, I mean, I, like, love Eternal Sunshine. I think Eternal Sunshine, you know, I haven't seen it in a while, but every time I see it, I love it. I think it, like, spoke to people like you and I at a time when we were really getting into film. Really getting to film and just even, like, kind of young and, like, I mean, I know, like, you were, like, you had a girlfriend in high school, I didn't, but just as far as, like, kind of understanding love a bit more and just, like, the complications that come with it, so I think we were at the right age of, like, that plus, like you said, like, appreciating films more that it just hit us at a good time. Absolutely, but now that I look at it, I'm like, for that time period, um... I don't know, we're not supposed to talk about Woody Allen films, right, anymore, but Midnight in Paris, like, remember, like, the surrealist, of course, you know, yeah. um, rhinoceros, whatever. Like, for whatever year um, Eternal Sunshine was, that was, like... like 2003 or four. Yeah, that was, like, two... Uh, I don't know what the movement would be called, but two, like, people breaking just the mold of what film is, doing, like, a mainstream film, which is Michelle Gondry, obviously, the director, mm-hmm. and Charlie Kaufman, like, that's a collaboration I wish we saw more of. Yeah, and you know, Michelle... Right, because the movie did well. It was really acclaimed. Michelle Gondry, I know he was working on, he had that, like, um, show on Showtime with Jim Carrey? The Jim Carrey kind of plays, like, a weird... Oh, Mr. yeah, Rogers I forgot about type. that. I know, like, I was trying to think for a second... Like what, um, what he was up to? Yeah, because yeah, Charlie Kaufman didn't write the Science of Sleep. That's no, just Michelle and Gondry. I love the Science of Sleep. 
Yeah. But again, if you think about the, um, while you look that up, if you think about the um, Charlie Kaufman run, right, like, when he's, not that he's not in his prime, I don't know, I don't want to say it like that, but like, when you have like being John Malkovich, which is awesome, but then Adaptation, which he, in I mean, yeah, Adaptation is probably my favorite. You know, he's writing being John Malkovich, or sorry, they're making being John Malkovich in Adaptation. There's yes. so many layers there. And just the fact that, like, yeah, it's pro- it's got to be adaptation, just because I even love the fact, I mean, so he ends up winning, you know, best original screenplay, and they have two Oscars ready because it was credited for um, Charlie and Donald Kaufman, which yeah. is amazing. Insane, insane. What mo- What year is this movie? This movie is uh, 2008. Okay. So, so two thousand yeah, 2004 was Eternal Sunshine. So whether Charlie Kaufman likes it or not, people will... S- <coughs> Excuse me, guys. People will say he is an iconic person from whatever the first decade of this century was, the right? The 2000s. The noughties, as some people call them. Oh, oh, there's like a name? Like the Roaring Twenties? Of yeah, like- some people... Have, I've been told this. The naughty... The naughties. 2000s? No, like, it's like, like, no, it's like, I don't know why it's called that, okay? I don't know. The Someone naughties? tell us out there, yeah. Ugh. And by the way, again, you could follow us on... That definitely, it feels more appropriate for, like, the naughties, like, this decade. With, like, I think it's something about, like... Me too and everything. I don't know. <laughs> no. Anyway, you guys, you could follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. And that's how you decided what film we'd be watching today, by voting, and... We thank you guys for voting, and we're excited to watch this film. And now we're watching a play on the screen. And it's just, I mean, so right now, the big guy is, like, in his element because he's in a movie, and now he's, I mean, he's a veteran of the industry, he's an Academy Award-winning actor, and he's making this movie with one of, like, the, I'm not going to say that he's not, you know, a great writer now, but definitely one of the, like, a hot writer of the time. And he's also in that scene. And like this character, he is a a writer and a stage director, which we know that Philip Seymour Hoffman worked, uh, you know, he, what co-founded labyrinth, right? That, that theater group with his friend, it's John Ortiz, correct? I believe. This is, he's one of the people. Yeah. Who, who we see, uh, him working with John Ortiz on camera in um, Jack Goes Boating. Jack Goes Boating. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that later. Hold that thought. Now they're in therapy. I love the way he's sitting. Love the colors and right. That's a very two thousands kind of outfit. Oh yeah, that's for sure. It's funny too. You'll see a lot of um, this just play later, right? Yeah. Yeah, you say you see. Like, you're saying you see this scene play out later. Yeah, like but, via the play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's weird. I don't know if you appreciate this film the first time you see it. You could, well, because all of a sudden at the end you're like, oh shit, okay, that's what it's about, or that's what happened. Like <laughs> it definitely, you need to go back and watch it just to have a bit more of a 
grasp. Because it's not like it's like, okay, guys, so we're going to start making, like, it's not like the initial incident is, guys, we're going to make this crazy play about yeah. my life. And we're going to build a miniature set of New York City inside, <laughs> you know. Caden. Like, oh. What's his last name in this? I forgot. Caden's, like, Canard or something like that. Is that the chick from Home Fries? From Home? Didn't you do that movie? Yeah, but that's... <laughs> I don't know. Drew Barrymore is in that. I don't. know, I know. Caden Cotard. Cotard, and, and it was something like that. And this is uh, Samantha Morton. She plays Hazel. I think she's... Isn't she from Minority Report? Hashtag Tom Tom Club, or I don't know. We'll have to ask the guys on Tom Tom. Yeah, I think she's one of the. You know, like how there's like the three beings that predict the future. Mm. Yeah, Michelle Williams, Catherine Keener, Tom Noonan. Okay, so Peter Friedman is the emergency room doctor. I'm gonna see if he is. I don't. He looks like him, but I don't know if he is the same guy. I think. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think about his hair color, but since you pointed it out, now it's, I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> no, he's not. I don't oh. see on this actor. It's not the same. It looks similar. Actor. They look similar. All bald people look the same to me. I'm, uh, very... <laughs> Sorry, bald listeners out there. Yeah. Not just even bald, but like the the longer, when the, it's longer on the sides. I don't know if there's a like specific yeah. name for that style. The, the B. Frank, maybe. <laughs> Oh, Ben Franklin. I'm like, what the hell's a B Frank? <laughs> Very Kid- steampunk Catherine Keener here. Ooh, yeah. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, what? That's like one of the things that's like making him afraid that he's dying, right? I mean, yeah. that's also, it's very much. I don't know, maybe sometimes I don't. Again, not that I don't like this movie, but, or the things that maybe I'm not enjoying particularly is that it is very, makes you kind of reflect on your life. <laughs> That's a good thing, though, that a film can do that. It's, yeah, but sometimes you don't want to be like... Sometimes you just want to watch The Naked Gun, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just harmless O.J. Simpson. Uh, well, I know. wasn't thinking of it like that, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I okay, love what she does. Yeah. I love that. It's so Kaufman. That's so Kaufman, oh, and a little, it, like, if Kaufman, like, I'm trying to think, like, what the, it's, it, that that would fit in the world of Wes Anderson, though, as well, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, they're, they're similar. Well, they come, they come out of the same time, you know? Like, no, if, I, if I, there's, like, yeah. a movement, I don't know what it's called, right? Like, yeah, they were, like, kind of in, like, a next movement after you had... If you had, like, the filmmakers from, like, the 70s, like, your Jarmouches making independent films that were a bit more artsy and interpretive and that kind of stuff, then you had, like, I feel like the next generation was yeah. probably your Wes Andersons, your P.T. Anderson, your but, I mean, Charlie I, I, P. Kaufman. P.T. Anderson's... Uh, I, I would say Magnolia is the film that, that most... Closest, like, to, closest this to this Yeah, absolutely. 
Yes. Like, I wouldn't say, like, there will be blood from Lines of this genre. No. I get no. why those are P.T. Anderson movies. Yes. But, again, Magnolia feels most like this. Yeah, and just, or just even, uh, how exactly do you pronounce it? Uh, is it, oh, God, I don't want to butcher it. I'm just going to, like. Michelle Williams here. She's so, like, she really is so great. Anomalisa? Is that how you pronounce that movie? Oh, yeah. That's like, again, just even, I mean, so that's, I know that's like puppets, but just even then Wes Anderson with his stop motion kind of uh-huh. stuff, you know? Like, it's just, I feel like Charlie Kaufman and Wes Anderson are a bit of kindred spirits. Um, couple th- things I wanted to mention just as we're talking that are not necessarily really related to this film, but um, I wrote it down the other day. A bar near me, we've been there, Try on Public House. One of the TVs is reserved exclusively for playing this channel, which is awesome, by the way. I don't get it. Like, I don't... It's not Why on... Why don't you get it? Well, no, I, I understand it. Oh, you understand. Okay. I don't... I don't... It's, <laughs> my carrier doesn't provide it, you know? Gotcha. You need, like, physical cable. You need, like, you know, Optimum or Time Warner or whatever these brands are, you know? But it, MTV Classics just runs old music videos. And you're like, Brian, why are you bringing this up now? Because I'm just, like, at this bar, and it's running, and I'm like, Hilsumer Hoffman. And they were running oh, that, and they're that from, Amy Mann video yeah. from Magnolia. I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But the other thing I wanted to mention is more important. Um, obviously, we already had this in the schedule, so we weren't going to pivot. But we got our first new Hoffman footage, I, I guess, like a Hoffman project. Yeah, since... Uh, since the passing. Yeah. Well... Well, you know, no, I mean, you know some movies, I mean, yeah. yeah. Since, like, 2014, maybe early 2015 was, like, when... Yeah, so I, whoever's involved decided to release the original pilot for the show Happiness that Steve Coogan ended up doing. If you're not, like, familiar with uh, Hoffman's career or even this show, we've discussed that that was, gonna, like, that was really his last project. It never got released because, obviously, he passed. Yeah, they shot the pilot. So this is the pilot episode. Yeah, and, you know, just released for us on YouTube. Uh, you watched it. Yeah. I decided to save it for when we're going to talk about it. But I bring this up because we'll be talking about it during our mid-month episode. So if you're curious, yes, we know about it. Yes, we've seen it. And, you know, we'll talk more about that towards the end. I just wanted to bring that up, though, in this beginning, to so you guys weren't like, these guys are Hoffman fans and they haven't even uh, brought it up yet. Ooh, here's a little high school slumber party for you right there. What? Fast Times at Ridgemont oh, High. Oh, I didn't notice that. What's her name? Yeah. Uh, Jamie... Oh, God. Jamie Lee... Something? Not Jamie Lee Curtis, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Something like that. It's a three-name thing. Jennifer Jason Lee? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there's a Lee in there, there's some J's... Sorry, nothing against you, Jennifer Jason Lee. No, we're Hoffman fans. That's what we're focused on. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee. This is a weird film to do commentary on, only because it's not, like, big action set pieces. You know what we have to put on the ballot? Unless we did it already, and I can't remember. Like the big action set pieces of Capote? Yeah. <laughs> No, but there's more action in Capote, believe it or not, you know? Yeah. There's a murder story playing out in the background. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, we have to do Mission Impossible 3 at some point. Did we do it? 
We might. Have. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I thought we did it for like blockbuster season last year. I know it was on the ballot. I don't know if that one won. If we did it, it was really early on. Oh God. The Burning House. Oh yeah. I'm gonna look up now if we cover that. Oh yeah, I was supposed to pull that up too. Like we I, did Twister in June. I so think Twister was... beat Mission Impossible three. Oh. And then we yeah, then we did Master in July for for the troops for Fourth of July. <laughs> then Pirate Radio. Okay, so yeah, maybe I guess we. I guess I've just because it's I've definitely seen it since we recorded the initial episode. By the way, if you log on to, to at least the week we're recording to cageclub.me, the uh, cracking open the vault is our original episode of this film. Oh wow! I, I had created that once for Joey. Nice. Sorry, I'm just showing Kyle an image. It has no, nothing to do with it. whoa. Oh, that guy. He's he was on Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, and then a lot of familiar faces in this film. Yeah. So that, like, house-burning scene is something where, like, if I was watching this with my mom, who loves movies, but, like, maybe not movies like this, would be like... What the fuck is going yeah. on? Yeah. She wouldn't say that, okay. but, like, yeah. <laughs> but she would be like... That wasn't me doing yes. an exact impression, but just, like... She'd be like, yeah. I don't understand this film. Yeah. I don't understand this film still. <laughs> I'll admit that. I know, I mean, spoiler alert, this is a rewatch... So I hope this, you're not learning about this film via this episode. We always say that, but you never know. Yeah, but, I mean, she eventually dies in that house and suffocates, so, I mean, is that some, you know, obviously there is a, a uh, you know, a theme and a... I believe there is a theme of this film, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that there, you know, that that is symbolism, and that is, you know, obviously something something deeper to that house, just like having little fires, and she eventually, I don't know, if, is it that she exactly suffocates or just dies of old age? I remember this is like a big. Sorry, I I know what you're saying. I guess we'll decide when we yeah. see it. But I was gonna say this is like a big deal, the fact that he had like a younger people play the older people and that was supposed to be like a groundbreaking thing and that's eventually why he wins the award wasn't he looking to get an award in the savages a grant a grant yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so he kind of achieves it here oh okay yeah do we often see him with kids in his films not working with kids, because obviously doubt, but I'm saying having kids, being a parent. I guess... Because I can't I guess, remember too many, right? I guess not, no. It's interesting. He's not doing, like, an are, are we there yet kind of movie. You know? well, so, that's that. I guess not, because it did feel a little... I mean, it is a weird show, but the pilot episode of Happiness, he has a kid in it. So, and just seeing, like, that interaction, I was like, there's something weird about this, and maybe it's because... I didn't, never really saw him interact with too many kids on on camera. He certainly didn't do, like, family movies, yeah. you know? Like, he's a dad and cheaper by the dozen, you know? Like, <laughs> no, and even, like, it's not like there were, like... 
I mean, there are a few children in Hunger Games, but it's all like yeah, he was, yeah, again, and he wasn't a dad, as far as we knew. Yeah. What, um... Cheaper by the Dozen, and there was something else, that, another twin movie kind of thing we talk about. I feel like there was a... Oh, Yours, Mine, and Ours? Yeah. Yeah, that that counts. I would count those as the twin movies. <laughs> oh, God. There's so much physical in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, Another just... explaining. Two, you know, like the title of this film. Uh, Two words that... Yeah, this is a movie that, like, I need to <laughs> watch and just just purely watch, not even, like, do commentary. Well, of course, to, like, yeah. To... <laughs> we do this for you guys, the Hoff fans. If it was just us, we'd probably be watching in silence. You know, just scrolling through his, the closest, the closest, he comes to, like, acting alongside, again, not not, not playing a parent, but even acting alongside a child, almost famous. Well, Doubt, obviously, is, like, the the pinnacle of that. But, yeah, almost famous. But, like, In terms of being a dad? Father figure, certainly. George Michael style. But, being a dad... Doesn't really happen. No. Interesting. Huh. The whole romantic love thing is just a projection. <laughs> I wonder if they were good friends in real life. I like to think so. I don't know I that. Think so too. I'd like to think so. Is she a New Yorker? Like as in as in She the feels of, like it. Yeah. Like you know, like there's like New York actors and LA actors. Yeah. You know, let's see. I always forget it's Catherine with a C. Oh wow, she's born in Miami, Florida. I wouldn't have guessed that. Miami. Yeah, Florida gal. I I I didn't mean born in New York. No, no, I know, but I didn't picture that. I mean, it doesn't really say here, to be honest with you. She went to school in Massachusetts. Even now, he's, like, in this commercial... Yeah, he was in, like, a cartoon before. Yeah, that I think was... Weird. Like, there are movies where what we've seen right now is double the Hoffman we get in other movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is... Again, I challenge anyone to tell us what movie has more Hoffman screen time. Maybe Capote. Maybe. But I, I would but still, like, even, gun to my head, I would of, say like, this it. just being a solo scene of, you know, himself. You know? Mm-hmm. I always wonder, like, how do you write, like, Charlie Kaufman and and it makes sense to someone to give you, like, money, you know? Or or even just, like, reading it as an actor. I would have, like... I, I, I mean, again, I'll just put it out there in the sense of, like, I am not smart enough to be someone that, like, 
I think to like read it and be like, oh yeah, okay, I get this. Yeah, it looks. Well, I think the only one like the, not too many people have to do it to that level. Hoffman certainly does, you know. Yeah. But like most of these people are like have their own characters where if they wanted to just read their own parts, maybe he Woody Allen did. You know, maybe he was like, I'm only giving you. I mean, he he doesn't have the cachet to do that. I don't think as a director at this point, but as a writer, certainly, like I'm only giving you your lines and your story arc. Some directors do that. I always wondered, like, again, I'm not an actor, you're not an actor. Oh, I love this, her book. Oh, but I always wondered if I would be an actor who would want the whole picture, or just want to know what my character knows. Well, that goes back to doubt, and didn't the, mm-hmm. the right, the, the director who was the like writer of the play, correct? Yeah, John Patrick Shanley. Yeah, he was... he told Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, but, but his character way. would know that, though, you know? Yeah. So, like, the, I think a director should tell you everything your character would know. But, uh, like, yeah, you know, okay. Diane Weist reading these scenes, like, is there would there be a purpose for her to read these scenes? You know? ugh, 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 ugh. Yeah, no, I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, She's not even in his life at this point. So does she need to know this? Like, if you were an actor, would you want to know this part? I You would because you like things being spoiled. So. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. I don't like everything spoiled. You open all your Christmas gifts. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I... I don't know. For certain movies, I think for Christ. this movie... Sorry, just watching this convulsions... I don't remember a lot of this movie. I don't remember honest. a lot of it either. Honestly, like, I'm watching this and... You know why? It's a hard movie, I think, to just absorb. Because it's not like... Because it's, like, little bits here and there. It's not, like, a full-out scene. So, like... And the fact that, like, it jumps around and then we get repeat scenes, but with different actors. <laughs> it's just... It's not very... It's not like, oh, that happens then and then that and then there. It's not, you know... Like, I don't remember this whole aspect of, like, then she becomes famous. Or even, is it, like... Wait, is that actually her? Or yeah. is it just, like... Or, or yeah, is he just he, seeing he it? Because he saw but, like, she, on TV. I mean, she just called him last scene and said, like, I'm getting famous, or, like, I'm famous true, true. now. Hit. Hmm. I don't know. But, yeah, so to get back to that, like, I think for this movie, I would like to know exactly what's going on and what, like, what, how am I playing into this whole thing versus just a scene. But to just go back to a movie you brought up before, if I am um, Adrian Brody in Midnight in Paris and you're having me come in and playing Dali... You just say, play an... Ex- I just want to know, you're meeting with this guy, he's going to, you know, present a situation to you, asking you for your advice, and you're going to be over-the-top, like, caricature of Dolly. And that's all I need to know for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would I don't just... need to know that he's a guy that's going through this time travel thing. You, yes, as long as you trust the filmmaker to not, like, 
it be actually a secret, like, Nazi film or something, you know? Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the, in the end of the day, everyone should trust their filmmaker, but, you know, sometimes, I mean, I've heard plenty of actors say that, I mean, you also take a project sometimes just knowing it's not going to be that great and you might take it for a paycheck and you don't care as much, or you still even, you do try hard, but you're just like, or then you even watch the edit and you're like, oh, that's what they did with it? You know, like, there's just course, so many, even once you are done as an actor, there are just so many other things that could make, like, this movie could be edited into a uh, hour and a half, like, cohesive, just, like, kind of regular story movie. I was just going to say, be, like, the know. editing of this movie must have been so much more difficult. Well, he than... must have been, I, I think there's, the, I would... I would love to read the script for this to see how in detail, like, maybe even his, like, director's script. Now, he's know? a writer. Yeah, you know, like, that's where he comes from. So I imagine that his script is pretty tight, you know, because he's used to, especially if he didn't think he was going to direct But I'm film. saying tight or, like, detailed in the sense of, like, again, is he just giving this... Gen- tight like- and detailed, not, you know, because there are certain people who are directors first who will go in directing... With a screenplay they don't even feel 100% with. And be like, oh, we'll fix it on film, you know? Mm-hmm. Some people say, let's we'll fix it in the editing room. Yeah. But I like, think a writer is going to, like, have a lot of information. Like, like a writer with this kind of power, you know? He's not just trying to sell a script. Yeah. But who knows? Unless, again, he knew he was directing, so he just had a bland script and would just... We don't know, you know? Yeah, just, I mean, for, we're back in this, you know, her... This apartment house, whatever it is, yeah, that has just little fires all over. Like, so I, I, you know, I'm just even curious as then a filmmaker. You know, it, I, again, I know that he's first and foremost a writer, but like, was that visual decision there from the get go, or like, is that even in the actor scripts? Did they show up on set and like look at that, and he's like, play it as if it's not even here. Like, you know, well, I'm sure he said that to them, but. But does that say that in the script, you know, like, I'm just, I, I am, I cu- I am curious. I, I can, yeah, but I can only imagine it. it said it in the script, because, <laughs> you know, I think that's part of the comedy here, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hoffman sex scene. You love these. This is why you did the podcast. I Glorifying that with a with an answer of any sort. <laughs> you can buy this script. Whoa, it's not released anymore. So if you want to buy it, two hundred dollars. Oh, it's signed. This one, never mind. By Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. And I think I'm dying. Oh, God. We're all dying. Since since the day you were born. Oh yeah, no, this is a very hard script to get. Um, like Eternal Sunshine, an adaptation, like twelve dollars. Really? Yeah. Huh. This this one is like two hundred bucks. Be a cool gift for someone that's like a diehard fan, you know? Yeah, I mean, I want to see it. Yeah, if one of you Hoffmans want to buy us that script. Please, like the signed yeah. one, please. Yeah, of the Kaufman Hoffman connection. Ooh. If only they made more movies together. Wait, when did when did um? I'm not even going to be able to pronounce it properly again. 
Oh, it came that movie, Anomalisa. Mm-hmm. Came out in 2015, so that's a year after he passed away. But sometimes it's weird, you know, with like, I mean, not that that's with voiceover stuff. I was gonna say anime, but it's not anime. But with voiceover stuff, like sometimes you record the actors way way in advance. Yeah, you know. But I don't know if that's more for like animation, so then you can draw it to much more their cadence, perhaps. Should have been something we uh, discussed on Mary and Max. Well, that's even like we don't see their mouths moving. Fair, so. fair. <laughs> Be more appropriate for if you said Arthur. Arthur, like as in Dudley Moore. Yes. Gotcha. No. <laughs> Dudley Moore! That's my horrible Dudley Moore. Good. <laughs> so, um, John Bryan is a composer on this, and of course, he did a lot of uh, P.T. Anderson's early stuff. Hard Eight, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess another collaboration there. Diane. What's, what's this? Wow, this movie was a bomb. $20 million budget. Uh-huh. Which is not that much, you know, all things considered. Especially for the cast. Yeah. And it made $4.6 million. I, there's no way a studio looks at this and goes... I, I, I wouldn't have thought at the time this is going to break even. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, just like not... taking a loss and doing it for art? Yeah, I think so, for, for possible... Was it... What were it, any nominations? Uh, just like... I know, obviously like not Like cans often. and stuff. Oh, yeah, this uh, shit can. Good one, good one. Right? Independent Spirit Awards. But no, no real nominations. I'm not destroying those film festivals, but you know what I mean. No Oscars. and. There's just so many little lines in here, just like him talking to the therapist, and she's saying how her son killed himself when he was five, and he's like, why, why, did, he do, why did he do that? And she says back to him, yeah, wh- wh- why did you? And he's like, what? And she's like, and then she repeated back, yeah, why would he? It's just like he's having so many of these little yeah. moments of him thinking that, oh, here we go. Looking at the the studio space. So the movie, by the way, uh, 68% Rotten Tomatoes by the critics, so not that great by critics. It's just, it's above my, I don't know, intellect. So this is an interesting note, I don't know if you read this, that like, he originally sat down, uh, you know, talked with Spike Jones about this. And they wanted to make this as a horror film. Huh. And the horror film was supposed to be things that oh, are frightening. Oh, you know what? I remember, like, like this. Pro- I think this was brought up on the initial. Yeah, things that are frightening in real life rather than horror tropes. Like, instead of a murderer with a knife, yeah, just dying. Like cancer. Yeah, yeah, cancer. Cancer, those all, every, every, all these fears that he's seeing throughout this film. Uh, there must be like some kind of your house on fire suffocation, you know. Like I bet you that that's involved in there. 
So, uh, you know, you want... Now that I'm on the Wikipedia page, it's actually a very insightful Wikipedia page. Oh, wow. Where you go, Wiki. So you want to know what the burning house means? Please, please. Uh, uh, Sorry. So as you mentioned... Well, there's a line that she says, I like it, I do, but I'm really concerned about dying in a fire. And she eventually dies in the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kaufman said she made a choice to live there. In fact, she says in the scene just before she dies that in, uh, that the end is built into the beginning. Even him right now, he was like, choking yeah. for a little bit. Sorry. I'm sorry, right at the end, what? That the end is built into, be- into the beginning. Like, you know, she chose her fate, thing, yeah. you know, and it was to die by fire. Um, she's afraid it's going to kill her, but she stays there, and it does. That is the truth about any choice we make. Ooh, that's sobering. Okay, but uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not, I'm not gonna. He's Charlie Kaufman is clearly a smarter man than me. But I, yeah, I don't know. There's there's certain things. Sometimes I watch this movie. And I kind of look at it and think, like, here's a bunch of ideas that were written down in a notebook and were just like, I want these visuals in some movie. This is a story I want to do for this movie. This is another story I want to do for this movie. And then he just combined everything and went, like, let's see what sticks. (laughs) I don't know. Just like sometimes I'm not going to I am not going to call this film pretentious. I think some people would. But I think it rides a fine line. Okay, so um, it's also based on a Tennessee Williams quote, apparently. Okay. The fire, I'm saying. I think there was... Wait, what's... uh, This is... I feel like we played this scene when we did the first... Yeah, because he's casting, you know, and he's telling why they're all going to be here. Just want to say this quote quickly, and then we'll go ahead. hurling towards death. (laughs) We all live in a house on fire. No fire department to call. No way out. Just the upstairs window to look out while sorry, uh, look out while the fire burns the house down with us trapped locked in it. That's a Tennessee Williams quote. Yeah. Quote? Okay. You know, it, it's kind of kind of just like you know, we're imprisoned by our own decisions and we got to live with it. <laughs> hmm. Depressing. <laughs> uh oh. I don't think Michelle Williams has aged at all. No, I was gonna say she looks the same. Derek. Yeah, what's that actor's name? Hmm. Things are... Uh, oh, boy. No, I've gone down a Wikipedia rabbit hole here. <laughs> ah. 
So his name is what's it again? Caden Catard. Catard, yeah. And a, there's something called a Catard delusion. Um, walking corpse syndrome, it's called. Oh, uh, well, okay. That's <laughs> is a, see, like, <laughs> is all that right. Pretentious, because who would know that? I, well, again, so I don't know if like pretentious is the right word, but there's just certain things like that. It's like when there's like I don't know fucking Latin, but like when there's like some Latin term used for something, it's like okay, like it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of those things that like I, I then I hear that I'm like, all right, like I don't feel dumber for not like I don't feel like I should know Cotard <laughs> syndrome or whatever, but. It's something that's simple enough that once you just started reading those first couple lines, I'm like, oh, okay. That's, yeah, that's, he's a walking corpse. Like, well, well, it's yeah. literally, is a rare mental disorder in which the affected person holds a delusional belief that they are already dead, do not exist, or have lost their blood or internal organs. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's little things like that, that even if you're a diehard you love this movie, but you're not, you know, go, then going to go ahead and read yeah. the Wikipedia or the links like that, and you're not a uh, pre-med student that learned of this disease. Or, yeah, like a neurologist. Yeah, ne- exactly. Uh, th- it's one of those things that it's then so obvious that that, like, why that is his last name versus just, like, a, a little Easter egg. It's yeah. like a, you know... This is another thing. Um, apparently, you'll see the name Capgrass in this a couple times, and that's Capgrass delusion is a psychological disorder in which which sufferers perceive that familiar people, spouses, siblings, friends, to have been replaced by Ooh. identical imposters. I don't remember this scene. I didn't remember they they got married. Yeah. I mean, I remember that. Oh, the gifts to Olive. Yeah, I remember, like, that aspect <laughs> of it. Have I ever watched this movie? <laughs> nah. Again, it's I could see why it's not everyone's favorite Hoffman film. I could see why it is some people's favorite Hoffman film, you know? You gotta be into it, though. I wouldn't call this, like, a first date film. Like, if you don't know the no. person... You know? Yeah, this is... Like, this is not a get-to-know-you film. We talk about it in Along Came Polly. Like, why did he eat ethnic food on the first date, you know? That's taking a chance. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, like, an ethnic food kind of film, you know? Not for everyone. My real daughter. Oof. 
Because, he, again, he's already rebuilding his life. <laughs> See, like, that's such, like, a line that, like, like if that was in, like, Along Came Polly as a funny punchline of just, like, yeah. I've never seen that tattoo before. Like, it's just... This, yeah, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to hate on this movie, Haw fans. Please understand that. I'm just trying to, I don't know, get on the same level of understanding at least. It's a movie where, like, we don't have a timestamp on, right? I have no idea where we are in this film. That's why it yeah. feels long sometimes. Because it's certainly not like. Your super traditional narrative structure or even timing structure. Whoa. It's Mrs. Stark. Is it? Like, she plays Tony's mom? Yeah, she plays Tony's mom. Who plays Tony's dad, not old? Dominic Cooper, like in World War, like in Captain. Yeah, Cooper. okay, yeah, Dominic yeah. Cooper. Because I know John Slaherty, whatever is. What he came in Iron Man too. There's a, diff- a picture of a different man in the first Iron Man on a magazine. Yeah, I mean that's fine, whatever. Yeah, you know, but like you know what I mean, like. But yeah, Dominic Cooper played Howard Stark in Captain America: First Avenger and in that um, Agent Carter TV show. Gotcha. He was him on some episodes. Slattery was in Iron Man 2 and uh, the beginning in, in uh, uh, Civil War and then Endgame. These are the things I know, people. Not the knowledge, <laughs> not the understanding of Kaufman films, but um, or at least this film, because I pretty much. It took me, I'll admit, as a 17-year-old, it took me a couple times to understand Eternal Sunshine and what exactly was going on. Fair. Maybe that's why I enjoyed... uh... (laughs) (laughs) But the acting is so good from Hoffman, though. Like, you know, to be in this world and do this. I wonder what he thought of this film. This is the she's she's almost over eleven now. What a weird movie! Like now that we watch it together, yeah, maybe that's why I enjoy adaptation the most because it's the most straightforward. Even and it's not, and it's not. No, but, but it I'm is. Just saying, yeah, out of them. No, I mean, wouldn't you say being John Malkovich is the most straightforward? Mm, well, being John Malkovich definitely. Ha- yeah, this certainly isn't. No, this is the most like. Okay, I haven't seen again uh, Anomalisa, but I think this is his most so, like avant-garde, postmodern. I'd say.
It, okay, I never noticed that before. It's all... Oh, because they're in Europe. Never mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I forgot Germany. that we were in... Yeah. Okay. It was all... Uh, German... Words. And I, for a second, I forgot that he was just talking... He was in Europe and talking to... Okay. Jennifer Jason Leigh. You see, he's like even aged since the last scene because... They definitely show it via there. There is good. Uh, I, I will say hair and makeup in this movie. Oh my god! I mean, very that very been good. Yeah, that should, it wasn't, but that should have been. Nominated. Was what? So you said no Academy or Golden Globe nominations? No. Huh. Yeah, I get, you know, it just didn't. Uh... I don't think it resonated with a lot of people, honestly. Yeah. It's a very pessimistic film, and ultimately, people don't want that. You know. Yeah, you're right. They want some degree of hope. Does this film give any degree of hope? I guess we'll see. We'll see at the end. But. I mean, what hope are you looking for? <laughs> I think most people, like, even, like, Schindler's List, you know? Very sad movie. But there's a tone of hope in the end, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. There's You know, even the darkest movies, usually there's some kind of thing to, that you leave and you're like, you know, you might not say it, but, like, it's like, oh, okay, well, there's hope for that person. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of Schindler's List, we get to see, I mean, they all, even when he breaks down and he's saying, like, this ring could have been another person, and he's just like, like, we, you know, like, we see them say in that moment, and then at the end of the movie, we get to see the real-life people that survived and how mm-hmm. many fam- families have now existed because of him. <laughs> I say the little Winky and the crew on that poster at the bus stop. Yeah, I think so. I I, I don't know. Self indulgent was a word that was used a lot for this film by people who didn't like it. I could see that. Would you agree with that? So that's what I'm saying. Would I agree with that? I mean, it must be like it must be fucking pretty cool to be given this much money to do whatever you want with it. I I don't know if that's what happened, but you know what I mean. Well, so I I. I said it before, and I said it since I saw this movie, that this is why I think Spike Jones should have directed it. I don't, you know, like I don't know what movie would have came out if he if if he directed it, but I'm just assuming to me, like self indulgent, like me maybe, but I just think it it just needed to be tightened in some way and I could see that happening under a more experienced director. Hmm. Like, I just, you know, like, um, there's that, uh, filmmaker, oh god, why am I gonna blank on his name right now? Nicholas Winrathing. Yeah. To me, his, I, I love, like, I love Drive. Like, yeah. that is my favorite film of his and I think it's his best film. And certainly is most known. Certainly is most known, but I just truly think it's his best. And what differentiates that from the rest of his movies, that is the only movie that he didn't write the initial screenplay. Something was given to him, and then he put his own spin on it. Like, that mm. was initially, like, I think that screenplay was written in the vein of, like, early Fast and furious you know, like, just kind of 
heisty kind of. You think it was that? Huh. I, I mean, early, like, you know, just like, yeah, I you know, that, that. like that Jason Safem oh, could have played, like, you know, like he's like, uh, what, like the transporter, the just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but like just a little bit closer to that. And then he picked up, he's like, oh, if I do this, this is what I'm, it's going to be about like a loner at nighttime. And he's just like, and he just drives and, Real you know, like song about Sully Solenberg. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there's just certain filmmakers that I think they need to be like checked or to be that they need, they can't just have car blanche. Do you think you're a podcaster that needs to be checked? I, I think, um, I mean, I, yeah, I would never, let's say then do like a, a just a completely solo podcast. I think it would you go do like off the complete... rails. Oh, no, I, I have guests. Be... I, that's why I like oh, okay. having a conversation. Think... Yeah. I forgot about this. This is the guy that's been studying him, right? Yeah. I forgot about this. Oh, we don't see him right now, I don't think. We're just like... No, we're just like reminding that he's out there like the boogeyman. They said he suffered horribly. (laughs) Little finger cut? You never see that. Wait, but what? What, did the, what was the line before it? Did you see? Yeah, it was. Like, yeah, it said finger cut, right? Something like that. Yeah, that. and that just reminds me of. Um, there's that Mel Brooks joke of, you know, uh, what is it? Tragedy. I forget what order, and it's probably there's probably a funnier, depending on what order it is. It's like. Uh, Co- comedy is you falling down a sewer and dying. Tragedy is me getting a paper cut. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think this actress recently passed away. Oh, the old lady. Wait, uh, who's what? Who's getting buried? Just it's dead. But it was a tiny coffin. Oh. Maybe it was the dog. Oh my god! Yeah, and there's been talks of child deaths in this movie for, and it's jumping around. So for a second, I was like, "So weird." Oh boy, this is a heavy one. Heavier than I even thought it would be. Uh, <laughs> what a weirdo! Hi, Derek. <laughs> So weird. <laughs> so in this movie, he's got is it just, does it stay just these like the the three women the Michelle Williams this um blanking on her name right now Catherine Keener I can't right, remember because it? someone grows old with him I think it's this one it's Michelle Williams oh it's uh Cause, yeah right because then she dies in the bed like and they're cuddling right Hazel I, I believe yeah, so yeah Hazel yeah wow <laughs> we we forgot a lot of this film it's hard to hard to retain 
I'm gonna re-listen to our initial oh, episode podcast, yeah. so I can hear Wit's two cents Smarter than on us. us. Likes the film more than us. It just, it just, uh, it resonated with him more. Maybe, I don't know, like, from not remembering exactly our conversation, but maybe it has to do a bit with being a a stage actor and just... Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that. Oh, God. I keep forgetting that he can read... His daughter's daughter. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. But, like, you know, he obviously just... And then the daughter ends up dying from a drug overdose? Something like that. Right? Or gets maybe AIDS from using needles? I know it's something very tragic. Something very tragic. Oh, and this is oh, this is her art show, right? Her art uh, installation. Yeah. This is her, right? Yeah. This is like uh, what? This is what um, Steven Spielberg's daughter wants to do. What in real life? Well, that she's she's doing. She's starting to do porn. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because it's it's her body and she can do whatever she wants with it. I suppose she can. I yeah. Mean, I... It's like, you're, you're the daughter of Steven Spielberg, though. Like, you, you got a lot of options out there. Oh. So... Uh. Um, so, the movie is purposely supposed to be structured like a dream. That's why it is this confusing and it is this much connection. And... Another reason it feels long, as I'm reading now, it has double the amount of scenes per minute than the average film. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like oh, per... yeah, like, it's just that brief of scenes yeah. that, yeah, you're getting... It's not like they're linear, too, you know? They are. They actually are linear, but you know what I mean? They're not, like, you know, walking out of the bathroom. Yeah, it's a self-indulgent film. <laughs> now you say it is? Yeah. You know what? And I, and I say that, you know, because I, I felt bad because I know how much... Obviously, so many, but just in particular, even Wit loves this movie. But Wit doesn't like the master, so I'll <laughs> uh, I'll go and I'll, uh, I'll I won't feel guilty since that's one of my favorite films. I won't feel guilty <laughs> saying that I. Uh, and that that is not me taking away in any way anything about our big guy's performance. No, no. But like you said, I would be very curious. You know, and I'm, sh- and I'm sure he wouldn't say, like, in a press, no, to, you no. know, like, what he thought of this movie. But I, I would have loved to have had, this definitely would have been a, uh, at, at least as far as conversations with him about films, this would be kind of a top I mean, one. It would look, be- you and I have talked so much about Philip Zimmer Hoffman, I can't even imagine we would have enough time to ask all the questions. No, but so this would fall into it. Definitely Schuler would Schuler, be in there. Schuler, absolutely. Um, but then fun things like, okay, so along came Polly. You would, like we said, like yeah. you and Baldwin. Do you talk getaway? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what was going on there? Oh, yeah. 
Isn't, like, Toby Jones in this movie at some point? The other Capote? Is he? Or am I crazy? Let me see. I don't... Like, as an Easter egg? Oh, you're Is right. That this film? I think it's this film, yeah. Like, I guess we'll see. Like, I, I think it was someone auditioning, because these are the people auditioning to play him. And this guy ends up getting it because he took the notes. He's looking for someone to be him. And, and I, I think it's maybe here or somewhere, like we see Toby Jones. I might be making that up completely. I don't know, but that sounds right. It's uh, that I feel like that definitely existed somewhere in Folsom Hoffman's career that there was some kind of inside. Oh, this is one of those movies that remember how like she was in a bunch of movies with him, Alice Drummond. Yes. What does she say, Nathan Ventura? Oh, and Christopher Evan Welsh, who then was called a pig fuck by him in The Master. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in this. So, um, you know, a couple other notes I wrote down. The just the scene before with the daughter. That actress had twenty hours of like fake tattoos put on her body to just do that scene. That's crazy. <laughs> That's like you know what that is? What? Self indulgent. No, I don't know. <laughs> this movie, the, the making of this movie rivals what the movie's about. That's like you know what what what, what budget did you say million. this before? Yeah, that it went to makeup and hair and. Uh... You see a lot of um, posters that have New York City in it. Uh huh. Like I've seen that on things, but I don't think it takes place in New York City. No. Oh, like is the studio in New York City? I thought it was like in Brooklyn or something. Yeah. I know he's from like Schenectady. Hmm. Like all those ups, you know. Maybe this part's in like Brooklyn. Like that's maybe that's where he got his studio. This is so crazy. I've never seen your shit, Gray. That's so weird. So, quiz question, Kyle. Uh Uh-huh. The film, well, first I'll ask this one. The film has two Oscar winners. Just two. Name them. Him and Michelle Williams? Well, Michelle Williams is one. This might be, might be an old fact. I thought she was only nominated. I thought she won for... I have to look that up. Okay, so obviously, well, point being, it's still your your question is for um, another actor that's in it. Um, well, well, it's Diane Weist. Oh yeah, yeah. Duh, yeah. <laughs> but she's the, won like 
two. She won two, both right? for Woody Allen yeah. films. Yeah, Um For Hannah and Her Sisters, I think. Yeah. And, uh... What is the other one? Bullets of a Broadway, maybe? I think Bullets of a Broadway. Oh, okay, so... There's five Oscars. Oh, she's just been nominated, Michelle Williams. Yeah, so she's one of the five other nominees, which are Michelle Williams, Jennifer Jason Lee, Emily Watson, who, again, we know her from two other Hoffman films. Oh, Emily Watson's in this? Yes. Oh, is he who she ends up with in the end? He, it might be, actually. <laughs> yeah. And wow, she, we are so lost. She's playing... Because they look kind of similar. Yeah, she. I think she... Yeah, she she's the plays... actor... Playing that girl, right? Yeah. Or I think. So weird. Um, of course, but, you know, the movies we've seen are in a Red Dragon and uh, Punch Drunk Love. Yes. So weird. <laughs> Maybe okay. Wait, that's so that's. Yeah. Okay. So th- th- it does take place in New York City. This part. Oh, wait. Oh no. Unless it, is this the inside of? I don't think so. The studio. On... That's in New York. So. By the way, that is the guy from, The Savages. Peter Friedman is in The Savages. That's, oh really? It's the same guy. Yeah. Huh. It didn't come up on The Savages. IMDb. No, it did, I because was, it says it on the uh, in the IMDb trivia that. You no, know, when I was scrolling through, like Peter Friedman is also in the Savages, and I looked him up, and that's him. Huh. When I was. Maybe he was uncredited. I love. I love her art. I don't care what people say. I know it's silly, like and self indulgent, but I love it. It's so tiny. Yeah. <laughs> no, let me just so. This is... Wait, where, where was he? Because I clicked on his profile. Yeah, Peter... Okay, so I clicked on it there. And then I clicked on all filmography. Actor. And then Savages was like... Oh, I totally... I... Savage is 2006. I was looking in, like, 2010. Ah. I didn't scroll back that far. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> he looks just like him. I want to talk more, but I also, again, this is a movie we need to watch in silence, so sorry, yeah, guys, sorry, for, yeah. for, for having, well, was you guys who voted for it, but, like, again, not a bad film, which is, like, I don't know if you want to watch with our idiot audio commentary, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is, like, you need a, like, wit on, or, like, a professor or something, you know? Yeah, or Charlie Coffin himself. 
wonder, let me see, is there a, uh... Commentary? In and around Synecdoche, New York, the story of Caden Cotard in conversation with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Infectious diseases in cattle, colon, bloggers roundtable. Okay. Guys, if you've gone this far, please listen to the rest of the episode. But it, I highly suggest a Hoffman commentary instead. NFTS slash Script Factory Masterclass with Charlie Kaufman. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> Get the Blu-ray, guys. should have watched these before <laughs> doing this. Um, on, I, I don't know if it's on Bill Simmons' regular episodes, but on his, like, uh, he has a basketball podcast, The Book of Basketball, about, like, basketball history. Mm-hmm. And one of his categories that he says is like half ass internet research. And that's pretty much what our, you know, podcast is. It's just us <laughs> watching a movie and discussing half ass internet research. <laughs> I forgot this. It's so, my God, like. And it's just crazy that the play really has no audience, you know? He's the audience. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're just. That's self indulgent. Yeah, so, well, and so then that almost brings it to this, is it a commentary on then, like, you know, is it, like, on himself, yeah, on on self-indulgence, on, you know, is it just that above it? God, you're right, I would love to just have Hoffman in a chair and just be like, how did you play this, you know? Yeah, how did you, well, how did you read this, how did you then play it? Like, did you play it as Charlie Kaufman? I don't think so, you know, but, like, did that influence you at all? Yeah. Yeah, did, like, also watching his other films, and, um, you know, it would be a leading question of, um, I'm assuming that he had seen them, like, did they make you understand it that much better, or just at least interpret it a different way, or be open to interpretation? Look, if you're an actor, though, you're salivating over this. Like, if you're the lead... Look how, like, you know, you get to interpret this. Yeah. You get to, like, be in this many scenes. Yeah, because I definitely can't picture Kaufman being, the like, an overbearing director and saying, like, no, no, no on but set. He, but know? no, like, I don't know if he's going to be like that, but he might be because this is literally his baby, you know? Yeah. It's not like he was given a script for Drive, for example. Uh-huh. And, you know, could do whatever he wants oh, with here, it. And here we go, here's... Emma Watson. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to, like, I want to watch the trailer for this. Like, how did they... I remember seeing this. I remember seeing the trailer for this and being very intrigued and and being excited. I saw the trailer first, believe it or not, on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. He had Charlie Kaufman. Oh. 
just the convoluted world that he built. Oh my god. Yeah, just even her needing to say, like, I want you out of the apartment, the real one, not this one. You can stay here. Yeah. Like, I'm curious, like, when it begins and when it ends, you know? Like, what is rehearsal and what is the actual thing yeah. happening? And also, I mean, you know, it, obviously this movie doesn't care to talk about it, but, like, also clearly it's not, like, I mean, like, why are these people, why do these people keep, sh- why do these people keep showing up? Like, what is their gain as far as, you know, since it is their jobs, like, compensation? Yeah, because I guess he has a yeah. grant and they're getting paid, but, like, I, I see them more as just actors, actors, you know, yeah. like, they want to dig into this new kind of theater. So bizarre. <laughs> oh, I just remembered what the actor playing him ends up doing. Yes. <laughs> At least, like, he's not... the Like, okay, so what would have confused me so much is if everyone playing each other looked exactly alike. Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman was also playing the actor who looked like Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know? They're like, oh, you know... like if Oh, they, sure, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go that far into it. so crazy. And this is also a movie that's hard to watch on mute, because I feel like that there's a lot of, like, there's another voice saying something right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Versus then that little... Then the, then the act... The little girl. Okay, yeah, because this is... Well, you got to see her again. Hey, it's like us. With our head tits. Oh, I was like, we're dying? <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? Oh, yeah, because she doesn't speak English anymore, right? Uh. It's like a translation thing. Because she just knows German now. Lost in translation? Yes. Oh, yes, the tattoos become infected. 
and that the flowers are dying. <sighs> you don't like, seem to be enjoying it so much on this watch. Not not that much. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean. It's it's a I. It's a lot of stuff. Like a lot of I I love the imagery, but it just seems like, again, like like a like a madman's idea book. And he just said, you know what, let's just include it all. I don't know about that. Like, I give him a little more credit than that. I think, though, again, I don't hate this movie. But I, I think it's a it. very ambitious film. I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm, I'm not trying to hate on what we're doing right now. I'm not enjoying watching it this way. Wow. <laughs> I'm having fun kicking back with a Kelsey Grammer beer, watching a Hoffman film. This isn't the. This this uh, I, this this needs. I, I for me for me to get this movie and to enjoy this movie, I need to be very much you know. But we're doing it for the Hoff fans. We're providing our insight. And knowledge on the subject. Well, this is such a weird conversation. I'm sorry. Because that's the story she was told of why they had to leave or whatever. That he left for like oh see yeah see like yeah for I a lover t- totally didn't remember that or get that and like she it's like that's her dying wish for him to admit that that's the true reason so he just does it like it's it's like are we supposed to laugh at that or be like this is a depressing scene. Like the the pedal fell off. Pretentious. God. I love how he continues going to her exhibits. Yeah. But wait, was that him just then, or was that just like a clip showing? Like they've had moments like that too. Like all of a sudden, just showing a clip from X amount of years ago. Well, no, he looked pretty old. Okay. Oh, there are more than one warehouse? <laughs> it's a play about dating. <laughs> Oh, okay. I see what he's saying. It is a play about de- like it's not just about death. It's a play about everything. Yeah, I get that, but still, oh, the warehouse—that's what it is. The warehouse. <laughs> and then inside that warehouse, I think there's a warehouse. Oh, 
I also wish I could be. I, I feel like the um, the John Bryan music. So weird. No, so I think he ends up being. I think he briefly dates maybe Emma Watson, but no, I definitely remember. I, I mean, we don't have a lot of time to like for all this to happen. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Oh no! Oh, I forgot. <laughs> he, yeah, he's seeing it play it. Yeah. How does he know who the real? Well, I guess he casted them. A few. He's days. God. <gasps> he's created God, and he's he's made himself God at least in this world because he can't rely on God and. His own. I like that woman's cloud outfit. <laughs> yeah, you don't notice everything. So, Diane Weist is like, I think, does it say, like, is she billed on the front? There's a lot of names on the front. Yes. She went on the top paid, top billed people in this film, I believe, and she was she's only technically in the film for ten minutes. But she's a get, you know. For yes, if you're going to make a movie like this in terms of that, she's great. Yeah, but I don't think she's bringing people in at this point. No, no, no I didn't mean that. But like you said, I it's not the like, intention. It, this is also. I wouldn't call this necessarily a filmmaker's film. But it has moments of appreciation for, I think, the art world. And when I say the art world, I, I, I you know, mean all like creative endeavors. So having someone like Diane Weist in it, yeah, who's been such a staple in stage and film, mm-hmm. and definitely a more creative force, I think, and has played interesting actors to get her to then play like a meta version of what she's done before. Yeah, and you're referring to films like The Birdcage, correct? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Edward Scissorhands. Dan Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. (laughs) Something like that she says, right? Yeah. Laces out. Not Diane Weiss, to be clear. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Samantha Morton, Michelle Williams, Catherine Keener, Emily Watson, Diane Weiss, Jennifer Jason Lee, Hope Davis, Tom Noonan. So also a very female-driven, like, you know, besides our main man, you know, there's a lot of female Yeah, characters. I wouldn't call, yeah, there's a lot of great women characters. Yes. I wouldn't call it female-driven only yes. because... Yes, no, that's why I kind of... Yeah, he's, like, such the yeah. lead. Yeah, yeah, he's the... He's the yeah, but you he's see a lot of, like, strong... Often the women are... So much more in control than he is in this film. And, as we saw, also then created a narrative for which his initial life that we're introduced to was then changed forever by saying 
that, uh, you know, that giving that lie that they did to his daughter. Yeah. That was the decision of, I guess, Catherine Keener and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Yeah. Who ends up being his daughter's lover. Very Woody Allen. Very Woody Allen. Meta, right? Like this film. No, again, there are a lot of things I enjoy about this movie, and I get what we're doing, and you even said it before, like, just probably the best thing would be to watch this movie again, and and then go and watch, like, special features from this movie. Yeah. See, I feel like that was maybe, like, in the trailer. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's little moments like that. But, like, this is a quirky movie. You know, like... <laughs> I mean, talk about self-indulgent filmmakers. Like, Woody Allen is definitely a self-indulgent filmmaker. He can make very good movies, but come on. It helps that he's playing himself who's self-indulgent. Yeah, but... I'm saying, it, <laughs> like, it's the truest form of self-indulgent. I want to, like, I want the... Yeah, but... I want, okay, I the, want the... I want the, uh, the guilty party front and center. <laughs> but the bad Woody Allen films, there's some really bad ones that it's completely like, I'm mad at the media right now, I'm gonna make this film. Sure, yeah. Oh, yes. No, and that's... And that's... So, so yeah, it's not even, it's not like it's, like, that level of self-indulgent, because it's not some grand scheme, it's definitely, (laughs) like, it's a deeper thematic commentary, not like, I don't know, it's very individual, it's not, it's not like, it's very personal, Yeah. Yeah. Versus, like, commenting someone saying, like, everyone should believe this. Yeah. It's not, you know, like, it's not I don't that think, level. I don't think this is a preachy film. No, you know? exactly. Which there is go. good. A, yeah, yeah. If it was a preachy film, it would be almost unwatchable. Yeah. You know, this is how you have to think. No, his movies, all of his movies are very, like, I mean, and the most being, but at the same time not, because then he creates a fictional twin brother of himself. <laughs> but, like, see, you know... It, it, in adaptation, but... No, I think the preachiest would be Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Uh, like, what love means, and... Yeah. But I'm not saying it's a bad way, because I like Eternal Sunshine. But I think that's the one that has Maybe more... being John Malkovich also is a little preachy, saying, like, getting inside other people's minds and controlling them, and, like... That yeah, but it's not like saying, you should do this. And then I'm offended that, like, then you're just thrown out onto the Jersey Turnpike. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I know. I'm the best part. You can't like just in all seriousness. You can't defend the Jersey Turnpike. I'm not. But like you know, I'm not. That would be self-indulgent. That would be pretentious. If you're like, oh, I'm from Jersey. The Jersey Turnpike's beautiful. You know. It is the heart valve of our great state. <laughs> it helps many people. Many people wouldn't get their goods if that. You know, okay, because but that's the port, like, port that's of a... Elizabeth is very important. That's such and a specific so, part of the turnpike, you know? Like, where he's... Where he... Like, you know. Yeah, where... Yeah, those inside the mind of yeah. John Malcolm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. 
So this, out of the three movies they're in together, this is the only movie that they share scenes together. Is that true? Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, Red Dragon, they never... And definitely and not in, uh, you know... He only has... Interacts with... Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't ba- think about it. Barry Egan? That's his, Adam Sandler's name? Yeah. Huh. Kyle, your favorite part of a movie. Do you like it a little bit better now? <laughs> one time... Never mind. No, I was going to say one time on the podcast, you said you appreciated the female form. I do. <laughs> As a heterosexual male, I appreciate it. Yeah, I do. Look at those veins. Yeah. I wonder if that's like put on there with the makeup. I think it has to be. Because I've never seen that in another film of his. Yeah, and there's still. We're talking about his forehead. We're not talking about, you know. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. People are watching this along with us. They know what we're talking about. Okay. (laughs) I want to be clear that we're not perverts sitting alone together in your room watching a titty movie. There's so many phrases that mean other things. It's kind of a drag. Yeah, and I've, I wouldn't have picked up on all of them, but we're watching with the subtitles. So in a sense, there is a positive to this too, you know? No, I want to watch this movie loud, loud in proud. silence, with subtitles. I love watching movies with subtitles uh, the, on multiple viewings. On multiple viewings, you know what I don't like with subtitles? And I have bad hearing, so I use subtitles all the time comedy because it ruins yeah, the timing yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's again even like more moments I'm like wait a minute is it what Oh, okay. Yes, they're in a stage scene right now. (laughs) (laughs) I just love again, she's like figuring things that maybe should happen, but. Yeah. Oh boy. 
Now, it's funny because is this the scene? Or is it real? You know? Oh. It's a little bit of both, I think. Or, Because <laughs> it said, let's try it at the director's table. And then they went to the director's table and they're having the scene that they just talked about having. But it feels real because... <laughs> It's almost a time travel movie in a way. <laughs> I would be like, Caden, this is not worth it. You know? Like, yeah. This is not worth it. Do you think, in a way, on a obviously much smaller level, Charlie Kaufman is doing what Caden's doing in this movie? That's what I was kind of trying to say before. You okay. know, like... The movie, like that's why I was I was curious of what Hoffman, how he read it. Did he read it as that? You know, yeah. That his own director was doing the same thing. Like, is Hoffman playing it like the guy who's playing Hoffman? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot of layers here, even layers we're not even seeing. I again, I don't know how you even organize something like this. Like, did you think they shot linear linearly? I think it would make the most sense, right? Unless they're like, not like Germany scenes and stuff like that, you know. Well, wait, they don't actually go to Germany. Never mind. I, I guess you'd have to. The only thing I'd say would be for time consumption. Oh, wait. So that's real. It's then, real, but it started almost as a scene that they said that we're going to try. Yeah. Oh, they keep showing that corner. So depressing. <laughs> I'm not laughing, you know what I mean. It's just like, whew. See, you know what? Oh. See, so, like, that was, like, honestly, like, as far as scenes go, like, one of the longer scenes. Yeah. And I enjoyed that more. So, you know, I also, so I guess maybe that plays into a part of what I'm not enjoying. It's just, like, how quick it is. Yeah. I like scenes that play out, especially with Philip Sinner Hoffman, mm-hmm. like, really. I mean, even that conversation, as odd as it was, the one that he had with his daughter when she was dying at least like it like played out and we weren't like jumping to another scene right away i think it's so fascinating what they just said like they said like there's x amount of people in the world or something and he overhears it kind of the other the third actor who's supposed to be Caden. yeah and he says can you believe there's that many people in the world and everyone's like the star of their own story 
you know, this, like, everyone's working around it to be in Caden's story, but in reality, we're all the stars of our own story. What was, was there like a main reason for them breaking? Was it just him being too much of him? I think, yeah, I think he was too self-indulgent with the show and focusing on her. uh, Once like Michelle Williams came into the picture. Yeah, and kind of also moving on to the next thing. Yeah, like, well, like, uh, um... Tom Noonan's character, like, just said, like, you've always, you know, is Again, he's almost, he's saying to Caden that he's being self-indulgent. So it's just this movie that, like, <laughs> again, like, it, it's one of those things that if you recognize and if you're commenting on it, is your thing still that? <laughs> or does it become that? Like, is it one of those things, uh... Like, if you live long enough, you see yourself become the villain <laughs> type. Well, like you said, the, one of the first things you said when we were recording was that he is not a likable character. Yeah. You know? Maybe he's realizing it himself. I'm just, I'm very curious what, like, also, if this is a movie, like how, um, you know, Charlie Kaufman writes, to bring it back to a filmmaker that we've mentioned at least on this episode and knowing his style of writing Woody Allen will come up with an idea write it and then you know like what put it in his dresser or something like that Uh and then just pick it out and be like yeah I feel like making this one now Um, I'm wondering if like he Charlie Kaufman in 2000 and let's say you know a couple years before this 2005 2006 had something happened to him that inspired him to write this? Or is this, again, like, an amalgamation of... Well, you know what, Kyle? You could find out by watching your Blu-ray special features, I'm sure. Now, is this actually her house? Yes, I believe so. There's a really sad element of this movie. Is that we're seeing an old Hoffman. Oh, smoke inhalation. We're seeing an old Hoffman that unfortunately we never got to see. Yes. Like, we don't know if he ends up, would look like that or something, you know? So it's a pretty, it seems like a movie that does a pretty fair... No, I'm saying they're doing a good job. It's not that. The, The point is we lost him too early. Yes, yeah. So she died from smoke inhalation. Yes. I thought it was something like that. Like, look how big... (laughs) The ever-expanding warehouse, almost. How 
Has anything been the play, though, or has it all just been rehearsals? I think it's just a living art, you know, like... I get that, but they haven't, haven't, like, opened to the outside world. So I don't know if anything's actually been, like... Because it seems like it just keeps tweaking and tweaking and tweaking, you know? I was I forgot what she ends up doing. Yeah. Once yeah, once they they were looking at the wigs before it clicked back in my mind. Okay, so they even give like kind of the explanation of the walking zombie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's like, oh my god, she gets me more than I get me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what Diane Weiss is like in real life. She yes. just comes up to you. Yes. In a very fortune-tellery wagon kind of, you yeah, know. the Oracle of Delphi. Yes. And then it also, like, by her playing him kind of then plays into him saying that I think I would have, like, done better as a woman, maybe. Yeah. That's true. I love this. This is Diane Weiss playing Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, (laughs) doing, like, Caden Cotard. An actor playing an actor. Yeah. An Oscar winner playing an Oscar winner. Yes. And then he's wearing the wig now, like the a younger wig. <laughs> this priest is what's his name, right? We talked about it on the episode. Uh, yeah, I said his name before. I'd yeah, but what what what? I always forget his name, and I feel bad. I know you said it before. Christopher Evan Walsh, I think. Yeah, Christopher Evan Walsh, yeah. A lot of, lot of three-person names. Yes. Oh, no, again, and again, something you've said, but another guy we lost too soon. Yes. I think... Yeah, this was... Right same... around the same oh. time as Philip Seymour Hoffman. Was it around the same time? Yeah, just because I'm trying to think, like, I know it's just the one season of Silicon Valley, and if Silicon Valley had, like, six or seven seasons and just ended, I know they took a little bit of a hiatus. Hmm. So, point being, he might have passed away before Philip Sternhoff. I'm going to look right now. And this was a scene we talked about on our original episode, I remember. Yeah, because I know we played it even though it wasn't, like, you know, because we usually played scenes that he would speak in a lot. Mm -hmm. But I know we. Because again, Whit picked it. Yes. Oh, sorry. I thought you were looking up. Uh, no, I, well, I started appreciating his. Uh, which is even better than his work. Because age yeah. of death.
Yeah, 2013. Wow. At the age of... He was older than Philip Seymour Hoffman. What? Age of 48. Well, yeah, still too soon. Yeah, still too soon, but yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman was 46 when he passed away. And like you said earlier, you know, the scene in The Master and such with him. You big fuck. I love that idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so then he just... <laughs> <laughs> he takes over her role. Now he's completely, like, lost in his own world. Well, yeah. Do you think that there's a religious aspect to this film? Like, again, just in the sense of a... I'm not saying specific religious, but just God, like, complex. And then just... It it almost, like, makes me think of, as silly as it is, like, uh, (laughs) the... uh, what is it? The conversation in Jurassic Park in the car when it's just like, uh, God creates dinosaurs and then, uh, <laughs> woman you know, inherits God, the earth. Yeah, woman inherits the earth. But it's just like, you know, man kills God, uh, you know, man creates dinosaurs. Dinosaurs kill. Pretentious film, or uh, what were you call Self indulgent film? That rem- exactly what you're saying, and it's technically a Hoffman film, but not really. The Invention of Lying, Ricky Gervais. Oh, yeah. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> That's like that's pretentious. Yes, that's pretentious. It's, it's this is like I mean I, yeah again self indulgent because like I think that's a bit more fair because again it, this clearly comes from the mind of Charlie Kaufman is totally commenting on like you know yeah self indulgent versus I would say more than pretentious. This film isn't pretentious. No, it's not. Again, because yeah. like we're watching something that's happening, but he's not saying oh the way Caden lives lives his life is the way we should all live our lives. Yeah. Or even, you know... Or you should just be thinking this deeply as I yeah. am, or, you know... <laughs> Where the invention of lying is, like, so oh, in your face. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah. yeah. So in your face. We ever see her old? No. I didn't think so. We haven't seen her since the beginning of the film. It's weird because, like, Jennifer Jason Lee really took over. Because she becomes her lover. She comes in to play a pivotal part. Yeah, that's why it feels like she's in this film a lot more than she is. Yeah. Because 
when you're left with it, it's so. She comes in at just like the the, the you know, just the right moment to you know, and, and obviously playing an important character. There's a fucking airplane inside the hangar. It's insane. It's just insane. <laughs> <sighs> Wow. Wait, who died of lung cancer? Catherine Keener. Oh, okay. Like the directions in his ear. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what, like... I have to say, like, Coffin's films are not gimmicky. You would think they would be, right? But, like, in terms of, like, you know, like, M. Night Shyamalan, like, oh, it was, you know, in modern day the entire time. It's not like... Well, it's because they're not twist-driven films. Well, yeah, I'm saying, like, there's not, yeah. like, a big thing in the end, like... They're not, like, gotcha films, you know? We kind of get what we're getting into from the beginning. Yeah, like, it doesn't present itself as, like, you know, one thing and ends up being another. It definitely, it, it's been, does it get a bit, like, more odd? Sure, but that's just as, I mean, this, as stories progress in yeah. films and become a bit more, like, complicated once, like, our characters are really experiencing whatever the story is about. But it only elevates from the initial weirdness that we are getting via the conversations with Catherine Keener and the pipe bursting and him getting a gash in his head and his <laughs> daughter having a conversation about life and death and you know it just it goes from there so it's not it's as soon as this movie started you know and you're watching it for the first time or multiple times and so now everyone's dead oh look at that But are they actually dead? I don't... <laughs> uh, I don't... think so. I think this is like... <coughs> Sorry, coughing but laughing, you know. Each map has like a little insert for the next map. He hired another person to be himself, to direct him in yeah. his own life. You're everybody because you're God. And God invented lying. Like a womb? Was that right? <laughs> so I just thought of this like I actually watched the director's commentary years ago for being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. And one thing that he said in that film is that you know when he steps into John Malkovich he's like in the script and this is what made me realize something you said earlier I know he makes a lot of notes like in the script because I've heard him talk about it 
in the script he said it he wanted it to look vaginal. Oh, and this is Charlie Kaufman, not Spike Jones. No, this is Charlie this. Kaufman. Okay. Uh, he wanted it to look vaginal, and instead it looked anal to him, and he wasn't too happy with that. Um, no, but so when you said the womb thing, I wouldn't be surprised if... It's a motif he's used before, is my point. Yes, yeah. Or is looking to <laughs> use. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he should watch Gwyneth Paltrow's show, Goop. Oh, God. Self-indulgent or pretentious? Gwyneth Paltrow. Both. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that, I'm sorry, like, you can't fucking remember what Marvel movies you're in, like... That's kind of baller. That's kind of being like, I just get paid. No, no, that's rude. (laughs) That's rude. And then who's this? I don't know. <laughs> this is the woman that was having a conversation in the field before with the little girl. I'm so lost at this point. But not in a bad way. I don't know. I'm having fun. Oh, oh, because that was a, a scene. Okay. She played that character in that scene, so he's just running into her. Crazy. Apologize. Love it. Yeah, I honestly don't remember like I how this movie ends. Oh, that's the time it was when he woke up in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. You know, he kind of lived his life stuck in this moment. The burning house, maybe, you know. What's this actress from? I recognize her from yeah. I'm having a kid moment. I know you from some. <laughs> You know, we always say Hoffman plays, like, these vulnerable characters. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he wasn't, like, this is a moment of extreme vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just such an interesting character. Again, he must have, like, I don't know how he played it. I don't know how, when he, if he watched the final product, if he liked it or not, who knows, right? But I can only imagine he, like, opened the script up and was salivating over what he could do. I know how to do this play now. Yeah, it, <laughs> I think it's a feeling too, right? Like, just to go on that line. It's like, by the time you figure something out, it's too late. By the time he figures how to do the play... He dies. He dies, yeah. you know. Is it even like, oh, I wish I knew what I knew now in college. And even the white light. Fade to white. Woo. All and right. That, and that was the film. We did it. We did it. Phil Sinhoffen, right on top where he belongs. <laughs> So thanks for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, sorry if I, I if I made it a tough one uh, with my 
questioning. Uh, but that's good. This movie made you question, and that's the purpose of the movie. Um, just a reminder, we mentioned it before. Next, whoa. Can you check the calendar, Kyle, and see when our mid-month will be? But we'll have an episode in well, two Well, this weeks. comes out on Monday, March 2nd. It'll be Monday the 16th. Monday the 16th, perfect. And on Monday the 16th, we'll have a mid-month episode, and yeah, we'll announce the vote for um, who will, you know, who will be our, not June, April. April? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) My months are forgetting. (laughs) Who knows? I feel like I've been, you know, and maybe in my own warehouse world, I have no idea when it is. But yeah, for our April 1st rewatch, we'll announce it then. However, it's going to be a little bit different because... As mentioned, we're going to watch Happiness. Not It's not going to be rewatch. We'll watch it separately, and then we'll discuss it. Yeah, well, yeah. Yep. Old school style. Original run style. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while, but I cannot wait. But at the end of that, we'll announce the winner, of course. And two movies, Kyle. It's going to be a Hoffman vs. Hoffman battle, if you will. Oh. The first film, Love, Liza. Oh, I remember, yeah, yeah, us coming up with this idea, yeah. Love, Liza. So so Love, Liza, of course, written by his brother, Gordy Hoffman. Gordy. And, I, I, you know, I want to see it again. I definitely want to see it again, and, you know, I want to rewatch it. Another heavy film. Heavy, very heavy film, very heavy film. But that was one of the early films where it was, like, Hoffman, you know. Yeah, he's, he's the lead, yeah. He's the lead, he's the man in that film. And, of course, he'll go against Hoffman's only... Uh, film-directed di- movie. I don't know. You know what I mean. Yeah. Like the only di- film films are often directed. Yeah. yeah. He directed plenty of plays, so I don't yes. want to say his only directorial um, moment, but... And that is Jack Goes Boating. Yes. So we have a little Hoffman versus Hoffman battle. Either way, we win. Hoffman wins. So it's going to be, you know... Brother it's going to be like... A, brother. Yeah. <laughs> an artiste. April's going to be about the artiste, right? It's going to be about the... Both kind of heavy films, right? Jacko's Boating's a little bit more levity, I'd say, but there's levity in both. Yeah, there's that one, there's that odd character that he goes... Yeah, uh, in uh, Love Lies, yeah, you're Love, saying. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait for either. So you want to vote on Instagram, you want to vote on Twitter, you want to vote on Facebook. We'll put the polls up there. Uh, we'll put them almost as soon as this episode comes out, but look out for them and vote. So next, what what day did you say? It's when the mid-month, yeah. 16th of March. March 16th. The day before St. Patrick's Day. Yes. So no St. Patrick's Day themed here, but <laughs> we're not doing a God's Pocket. No. You know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, check out that episode and find out the winner. But also, again, find out our take on the Happiness Unreleased pilot. Yes. Um... So, and, of course, our other podcasts. You can uh, check us out on the Cage Club Podcast Network and my other show, High School Slumber Party, approaching my 100th episode. Excited about that. And, of course, your show, Kyle. Yeah, Foodie Films. Please check that out, guys. So... Still doing New Orleans films, maybe. Or not films, sorry. New Orleans food stops. Yes, there's stop. one more New Orleans uh, episode that will be coming out. Um, oh, boy, we're back in the, uh, the menus. So, I love yeah. menus. I love menus. So... You know, this was a blast, Kyle. I think, uh, you know, I think you should take us away with your famous line. My famous line? There's more to cut. Yes. No. Right. <laughs> All right, guys, stay on cool. I believe in miracles. Where from? You see.
Since you came along, you sex a thing. 